for Burl and working out the message, I, I listened to a song that we're actually going to play during the memorial service. And the song is No More Night. And the song is all about heaven. And there's a phrase in, in that song that says, slowly the names from the book are read, but I know the king, there's no need to dread. You know, and I listen to that song, and I ask myself, how could that be? How could that be that a sinner such as I could stand before a holy, righteous God and not have any dread. How could that be? I, I think in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, the Apostle Paul had that same feeling because he exclaims, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Those who have by faith believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection as being absolutely positively on their behalf that is God's gift of eternal life that by faith they have trusted, they're going to go to heaven. They're going to go to heaven. Well, how could that be? How could that be? And that's why I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of the virgin birth. Why the virgin birth is just absolutely imperative. That without the virgin birth, the cross is meaningless. Without the virgin birth, the empty tomb is impossible. Kind of gives you an idea of how important the virgin birth is. How could God with us, Emmanuel, be born? How could he be God in the flesh and not sinful? A lot of men died on the cross. That was one of the Romans' techniques of capital punishment. But they were buried, some of them I'm sure in a tomb, but they did not rise from the dead. What is the difference about Jesus of Nazareth who went to Calvary's cross, shed his blood, and rose again? How is that possible? What's the difference? What's the difference? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And folks, this is so important that we understand this truth. Without the virgin birth, you need to understand that Christ Jesus could not be the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. Without the virgin birth, he could not qualify to pay the debt that you and I owe. 
Without the virgin birth, he simply did not qualify. Even if he loved mankind enough to die for mankind, to give his life for his friends, he says that no greater love has this than a man give his life for his friends. That's true. That's, that's great love. You'd do it for your family. You'd do it for friends. What made the difference in his life? And if Christ was not born of a virgin, never having known a man, and Christ, then the Bible is a lie, and we know the Bible is not a lie. The scripture tells us that the Savior was going to be born of a virgin. You know, and the world might say, yeah, right. How is that possible? Matter of fact, Mary even asked that same question. How is that possible? And I think the key to all of this is what the angel said to her as he answered her, that with God, all things are possible. That with God, nothing is impossible. It was due to the Holy Spirit that the Virgin Mary conceived and bore the Savior of the world. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. You need to understand something. That does not speak so much of Joseph's goodness as it does he believed in the law. He was a just man. And this was dangerous territory. This was dangerous grounds because according to the law, what should have happened if she was found with child? Stoned. Stoned. So when it says that, that Joseph was a just man, and as being a just man, his reaction would be, i would have, I got to follow the law. i got to do what the law says. That's so why the angel came to him and said, it's okay, it's all right. But while he thought on verse 20, and while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The virgin birth is what enables Christ Jesus to be sinless, the spotless Lamb of God. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, or Jehovah our Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, 
Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The key, I mean, all of that's key, but I want to bring your attention to verse 20. Fear not, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord was conceived due to the Holy Spirit. He had no father, human father, as his dad. There was no human father involved. This is absolutely significant. It is important that you understand that in order for Christ to be the debt payer, in order for him to be qualified, he could not have Adam's blood flowing through his veins. Could not have had Adam's blood. And again, if he did, the cross is meaningless. The tomb is impossible. But I want you to imagine something with me. Before we go to the virgin birth and all that that implies... I want you to imagine heaven with me just a second. We describe heaven as being glorious, don't we? We describe heaven as being beautiful. Literally, it is beyond description. What awaits? What awaits? Matter of fact, I really believe that it's okay to be a little jealous of Burl and all of those who've gone on. I know I am. We cannot fathom all the glories and splendors of heaven. I think it's beyond our finite imagination. It's going to be thrilling, absolutely thrilling, to think or to know that we are going to be spending eternity there or those who by faith have trusted Christ. It's going to be glorious. Beyond our imagination. But now let's flip that. Imagine the reverse. Imagine leaving heaven. Coming to earth where you are worshipped by angels, where you are adored and recognized as being God himself. Coming here where you are going to be despised and rejected. That's why Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 talk about how that, that even though he was equal with God, he lowered himself. He set aside his glory. He set aside that splendor. He made himself of no reputation. He stepped out of heaven where he was worshipped. He came to earth. But he didn't just come to earth. Do you realize that on his throne he did not say, oh, I can fix that and came to earth as is who he was in, enthroned in heaven because he couldn't have fixed it. 
in that manner. Couldn't have fixed it in that manner. He did not just step down from his throne, but he was born of a woman. Hebrews 10, 2, 9 says that he lowers himself even lower than the angels. Lord himself beneath his creation. That's mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. When you consider the sacrifice, that's beyond the realm of humility. When you stop and remember and think about all that he endured, the suffering, it takes on immeasurable significance and worth when you consider who he was when he stepped out of heaven and he was born of a woman. Can you imagine the creator submitting himself to the creation in order to win your redemption? Wow. What a story of love and grace and mercy. That truth just floods my soul and causes me to almost be speechless. You stop and think about all the ramifications. God becoming man through the birth process. For the seed of the woman, that prophecy being fulfilled from Genesis chapter 3. See, Satan knew way back then part of God's plan. That's why there's so many counterfeits. That's why there's so many mimics. That's why there's so many religions that have people go, well, these, this religion's much older than Christianity, and, and you had a mother and a son, and, and you have, and Christianity just stole. No, the stealing took place by the great counterfeiter, Satan himself, because way back at the beginning, God said, here's what's going to happen. So Satan knew, and him being a liar, him being a counterfeit, he started trying to disrupt with his own seed to stop the seed of the woman, but not just stop the seed of the woman with the fallen angels. That's a whole different sermon. But even devising, coming up with a similar picture in order to blind people to the truth of this or cause them to doubt this. But Christ being born of the woman and growing up and, and being dependent, being weak, being hungry, being thirsty, experiencing pain. And i got to tell you, that experiencing pain part makes me wonder. He is the creator, right? He is the one who created all the, the nerves and the nerve endings and, and the blood and everything, the way it flows, knowing what he was going to suffer, and he knew. I'm going to make it here where, where those nail prints, those nails are sunk in. That's not going to hurt. Maybe when the, the spear pierces the side, why? I'll just do a little changing here and it's not going to hurt. He could have done that, folks. But he didn't. He didn't. 
So he experienced the pain, the grief, the sadness. The shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He, human emotions he experienced because he was 100% human. And he was also 100% God. He experienced death at the hands of cruel, cruel, hateful men. Coming to earth to be rejected when he had the praise and adoration and worship of angels. He exchanged all that for rejection and death. And I know I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. That the Son of God became the Son of Man in order for the sons of men to become the sons of God. I hope that makes sense. I hope you understand what that little phrase is indicating and saying. The Lord Jesus was willing to become like us in order that we might become like Him. God's Word tells us that at the rapture of the church, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. Our bodies are going to be changed like His glorified body. We're going to experience that. The rapture of the church, the resurrection. And he was willing to become like us in order that we might become like Him. How? How could that be? Well, I've already told you, the virgin birth. It was prophesied. Look at Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Look at Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom in order to and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God's word said it was going to happen and it was going to happen. You know what surprises me? What surprises me is the number of pastors who reject the virgin birth. Because I'm going to tell you, just like the resurrection, in order for you to be saved, you have to believe in the virgin birth. If a person says, well, I don't believe in the... And pa- 49% of pastors who were polled, and that, that includes all the churches, and we know how liberal some of them are. I know pastors that do not believe in the bodily resurrection. You know what? They're not saved. 
I know pastors that do not believe in the virgin birth. Look at 1 John 4. Look at 1 John 4. First John 4, look at verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of an antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. It's more than a sweet nativity scene. It's more than just a sweet story about baby Jesus. It is an absolute necessity in God's plan to redeem fallen man to himself. The virgin birth. That God himself became a man, God in flesh, God in flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel. John 1.14 talks about the word was made flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us that Christ was manifest in the flesh. Word was made flesh. The, the, he was manifest in the flesh. Romans 8 3 says, In the likeness of sinful flesh, Christ came. Do you know what that tells us? You know what that tells us? Well, and we know that Christ was sinless. He was the perfect Lamb of God. But what that tells us, it is not the flesh that contaminates. It's not the flesh that causes you to be lost. So what is it? And this is where the virgin birth becomes so important. What is it then that is passed from Adam causing man to inherit his lost and sinful condition. From those verses, if Christ was made flesh, that it's not the flesh. As a matter of fact, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 50. I think that's the right verse. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Luke 24, 39, I just want to make sure we understand that. Look at Luke 24, 39. What did Christ tell the apostles? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me, and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. I think it's interesting that 1 Corinthians 15 didn't say that flesh and bones cannot 
but flesh and blood cannot. Can you kind of see where I'm going here? So what is it that the virgin birth or the conception by the Holy Spirit changed about who Christ was? First question you need to ask is, where is the life of the flesh? Well, Leviticus 17, 11 and verse 14 tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Verse 14, Tim. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall eat the blood no longer. Manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm here to tell you that it was the blood that is tainted. It is the blood that passes on that fallen, lost condition. Medically, scientifically, we need to understand that the mother's blood at no time passes to that child. At no time. The mother with the child in the womb does a lot as far as benefiting that child and the nourishment, the nutrition, and all, all the things that the placenta does and carries out, it is, it is just glorious. But not a single drop of blood passes from the mother to the baby. Actually, not from the father either. But it's the father. It's the father that provides the source in the reproductive process that generates the blood that generates the life does that make sense the woman you you have the egg with the man you you have the the the, the part that provides life and that life is what generates the blood but it's not the father's but it is that source that the father generates that brings about and starts the circulatory system. But the baby's blood is his own. It's his own. But never is the child's blood and the mother's blood commingled. And the blood that circulated through the Lord Jesus Christ was never tainted by Adam's race. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ did not come from fallen man. It was fallen man that when he comes into a woman and the woman conceives that what the man brings, that source of life, actually is passing on death. The wages of sin is death. See, that's why Romans 3.25, 
Romans 3.25, I think is so important. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. In His blood. It's not just the fact that He shed blood. Folks, you need to understand who it was that was shedding blood. And it is through faith in His shed blood that we have remission of sins. Romans 5.9 tells us that it's by His blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, Through faith in, his, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I could have died on a cross a thousand times. I could have shed my blood and it would not have done you a lick of good. My blood couldn't do anything. It's in whom we have redemption through the one and only's blood who was not tainted by fallen man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, verse 11 says that during that tribulation, they are, over, they are going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. His blood. Jesus Christ was sinless. How? Because no human father to pass on that corruption. Christ had a human nature, very much so. He had a divine nature. 100% human, 100% divine. Uh, it's called a hypostatic union, in case you're ever wondering. And guess what? He's the only one who's ever had two natures. You do not have two natures. Your flesh and your spirit war, but you only have one nature, and that's human nature. Christ Jesus is the only one who ever had two natures. The Bible never talks about mankind having two natures. It absolutely talks about the flesh and the spirit warring, and that's why your battle, and because, you're fle because of sin. But you do not have a divine nature. You have a human nature. But he had both human, born of a woman, and divine. There are those who say, and I've heard them say it, so I know they've said it. I, I, I've heard them say it, that Christ Jesus was simply a good teacher. He was a good example. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I did not need a good example. I needed a Savior. I heard this week somebody talking about uh, he is a follower of Jesus, similar to how people follow Muhammad or people follow uh, Buddha, or he just he believes in the teachings of Jesus. And people were giving him the thumbs up. You know, oh, he, he I, I'm a. Uh, I, I follow the teachings of Jesus. 
And he specifically said, I really like the part about turning the other cheek. Well, I'm here to tell you his teachings are important. But it's not his teachings, it's not his example that has saved me, that has saved you. It's the fact that he was God himself stepping out of glory in order to pay a debt that he did not owe to pay a debt that I did owe, that you did owe. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Start with verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God incarnate, God in the flesh, He could not have been your Savior, your Redeemer, without the virgin birth. So when people reject the virgin birth, they are rejecting every aspect of biblical Christianity. You need to understand that. That's why when Christ came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. It's because of His blood, because of who He is, His qualifications to purchase your redemption. It's no argument. There's not Him being braggadocious. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the life. There is no life. There is no eternal life outside of Him and you being in Him. Just the whole doctrine of identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ is so important. We identify with His death we identify with His burial. We identify with His resurrection. We identify with Him in every manner. We are in Him. And we stand perfect, holy, before our righteous God. That's absolutely why. That when slowly the names from the book are read. I know the king. There's no need to dread. Debt paid in full. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. How we thank you for the virgin birth. We thank you for the blood atonement. And Father, may we ever be a church that never apologizes for this position, that never backs down from this position. The Father that preaches the truth of your word, 
And such an important, integral part of that is to preach about the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Father, may we never ever sing that song without remembering the depth of that truth and exactly who Christ was. But the virgin birth is just as important as the cross, just as important as the empty tomb. As a matter of fact, the other two would have been meaningless without who Christ is, fully God. And we worship you, and we praise your name. We pray these things in Christ's name. In the name of the one that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to. We love you this morning, Father. We thank you for that plan of salvation. We thank you for that baby in the manger and all that that signifies. We thank you for the cross upon which he died. Oh, Father, how thankful we are that the tomb is empty. We praise your name for that. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.